0: What's up, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here. uh, Recording this on a Wednesday night, January 25th, 2017. And, uh, wow, already a busy weekend for UCF basketball, because we got a lot on tap. We have a lot of basketball to talk about. We'll be catching up with tennis. Uh, We'll be catching up even with a little volleyball and even some softball news, Eric Lopez. That's right. I'm with that time of year. And we're already making the countdown. You know, we have uh, baseballs coming up around the corner, yep. and uh, lots to talk about coming up. Is you know, we start we're getting ready to hit that spring sports equinox, right? Like when in the month of February, when baseball and softball and the other spring sports kind of cross over the calendar with basketball, and it's going to get real busy here in a hurry. And uh, and you can tell some of the folks that we know over at UCF are like, oh God. It's getting real hard right now <laughs> <laughs> because it's That's so funny. busy over there. But uh, Absolutely. But there is a lot of news that they uh, that t- to talk about, and we're going to talk about it here tonight. Uh, reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, UCF underscore Banneret. Go to blackandgoldbanneret.com. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. Uh, and also, you can follow us on Twitter individually. I'm at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. We're also on Facebook uh, as well. So let's go ahead and get started. So we're recording this Wednesday night, January 25th, and uh, we have some men's basketball to talk about. The Knights at home against SMU, and it's a pretty good SMU team. Uh, and in a, what was a physical, physical game, um, UCF falls by five in this ball game, to the Mustangs, 65-60. It's only the Knights, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Eric, it's the Knights, I think, second home loss on the year. Yeah, second home loss on the year. Um, and that coming, that and, and now they've lost two in a row because they lost at Memphis on Sunday uh, in another tight game, another game decided by five points. So they've dropped two close games, one on, one on the road, one at home. And... Uh, what I thought was kind of weird about this game was how physical it was between these two teams, especially in the second half. They really did let him play. thought there were a couple of op- t- a couple times when uh, some players around, some UCL players around the basket and sometimes, well, actually, to be honest with you, not around the basket, um, encountered some heavy contact. Uh, no calls were made. Um, that was quite frustrating for the uh, crowd that was there, certainly. But... Um, uh, For the Knights, it was B.J. Taylor who led the way, 8 of 18 from the floor, 22 points, 8 rebounds, uh, and 5 assists. Taco Fall had a pretty good game, 5 of 7 from the field, 10 points, 12 rebounds, 4 of them offensive. Um, But UCF did not shoot well uh, in this game, 42%. Actually ended up out shooting SMU, but uh, it was the Mustangs who got the advantage in this game, and uh, they led by... Nine at the half, and UCF tried to chip away in the second, but just wasn't enough. And uh, points off turnovers, SMU thirteen to six. Um, you know, based on this performance, Eric, I, I don't know. I was it looked like there were a couple of uh, couple of dents in the armor for UCF here. Uh, what did you see from this game? Well,
1: similar than the, I mean, the Memphis game came down to a possession here, a possession there. I mean, the, it's tough. I mean, this is we talked about this. This is the tough part of the stretch here for UCF yeah, These are the basketball.
0: dog days of the college basketball season, right here, from late January into February, right? Absolutely, and the lack of depth. We talked about you're going to have nights where you don't shoot the
1: ball particularly well. SMU, by the way, I mean. They're right now I would say they're the second best team in the conference. So they're going to go to the NCAA tournament. They're that good. So by the way, speaking of a team
0: that doesn't have any depth, SMU played seven players in their rotation. Five yep. of them had five of them were on the floor for at least 36 minutes.
1: <sighs> but they're quality, a little better players. And there was a look, it was a back and forth game. Just give SMU credit. I mean, they're a really good basketball team. And that's, Memphis is a good team with Tubby Smith. I mean, uh, you know, this is the rough stretch for the basketball team. And this was the concern when I pinpoint the schedule, you know, SMU at Memphis last, over the weekend, last weekend. Now they got to go to Tulsa on a set. And that's not an, and trust me, I've done that trip twice with softball. Not the easiest of trips because uh, it is, Tulsa is not an easy place to get to. And then you know they got to go to Houston, and then they host Memphis. So it it it's tough games from here and out. And we haven't even brought up at Cincinnati on February eighth. So this is where the adversity will hit, and where your flaws get exposed a little bit. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where the teams they just played the last two ti- uh, two games have just been slightly better. And uh, it's just the way the game goes. And and when everybody's not clicking uh that's where UCF has issues and while Taylor was good and Taka was good the other guys struggled and it's uh it's tough i think the encouragement i mean it's not like they got blown out there's not to be a shame about it i mean they were good games they were had opportunities um they just come up short and uh i'm still positive about the season you know for those that were trying to bring up the four letter word uh in march uh you know i mean like me <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. Glad you called yourself out. I warned you not to get caught up in that stuff. It's too early. Um, I still think this team has a shot, uh, at postseason basketball. That's the term I've used. And when I've used that, I really focus more on the CBI or the NIT. And, uh, but this stretch will tell you where this season goes. But, uh, tough, tough effort. But look, give credit to SMU. They made the plays when it mattered. And now you just got to move on and try to
0: steal it. You know, it doesn't get easier going to Tulsa through 20 overall games, 8 in the conference. UCF right now is 14 and 6 overall, 5 and 3 in the American. They are tied for fourth with Memphis. Memphis has the game in hand right now. Yep. So they're behind Cincinnati who's 17 and 2, 7 and 0. Oh. SMU who's now 18 and 4, 8 and 1. Tulsa who's 11 and 8, but 5 and 2, oh. and Memphis who's 15 and 6, 5 and 3. So let me ask you this is this where you thought if i told you this is where ucf would be right now 14 and 6 5 and 3 in the league fit, tied for fourth if i told you that at the start of the season would you be happy or would you thought think that that's this is right where they would be
1: i'd be thrilled i'd be like give we throw a parade <laughs> i did not I, no i'm serious i did not imagine they'd be this at this point here um you know i thought they might lose an extra game or two non conference if you want to talk about specifically just conference, I never thought they would blow out Temple at home. Yeah, that was a, a Temple good team, by the way, I know they've struggled since that game, but beat has beaten West Virginia and beaten Florida State this year. So uh, that was a big win. You win a, at home against a Houston team that blew you out by 27 last year in the same court uh, with Calvin Sampson. I wouldn't have imagined they would have necessarily won that game. So no, I I did not think they would be in a position where we were even talking about postseason basketball because I've had concerns about the lack of depth on this team, and you know, uh, you know, I didn't expect Matt Williams to have the year that he's having and, and things like that. So no, I'm I'm thrilled. I, I'm thrilled, and and you know, that's I'm thrilled where they're at. They're playing good games. They're playing hard. Um. And that's the approach I would take moving forward, uh you know to me if you break down the schedule here, all right, you said they're five and three, all right mm-hmm. let's say they lose at Tulsa because let's be honest I mean that that's not an easy that's place a tough to play. Trip. I yeah. could see them i mean I could see them losing a few here, um, you got Memphis at home, you out know, at Houston, maybe you split that, I think they're gonna lose at Cincinnati, interesting to see what happens when they host UConn. but then they host Tulsa. They're at ECU, at Temple, host Cincinnati, at USF. I mean, that's a tough stretch. If this yeah, team can those get, yeah, but easy
0: th- games are on the road. That's what scares me.
1: Right. So if they can get to eight, I mean, right now they're five and three. All right, they're yep. five and three, and they're at fourteen wins. If I can get to eight wins, all right, to get to eight, that would get them around seventeen. Uh, you're right. They're going to have to steal a game
0: here and there in the road, but if they can get eight wins, remember this team was picked eighth in the preseason in the conference. That's right. Now they got four, only four home games left in the schedule. And I'm going through the schedule right now. One, two, three, four, five, six road games left. So if they want to get to 20 wins overall on the season, which I think would be a hell of an achievement, um, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to not just hold serve at home. They're gonna to have to take a pair on the road, and that's gonna be and that's gonna be pretty tough. Especially when you consider you got like we like we talked about already. Uh, your remaining home games right now are uh, Memphis, who's right with you in the standings. UConn, who has picked it back up after that bad start, and they're climbing. They're slowly but surely crawling back up the standings at four and four in the league. Uh, you mentioned Tulsa they're right now 5 and 2 in the league uh in third and uh Cincinnati who's first place in the league so that's so, i mean those those four tough home games and you know i think you're right I, I if you told me right now we would be 14 and 6 5 and 3 i'd be like wow we really figured it out pretty quick with Johnny Dawkins um i i think what's encouraging though is the fact that um He's gotten the young guys, obviously, to buy in, which we talked about. You know, the B.J. Taylor and Taco Fall and all those guys. Um, the veteran guys have shown the way. Matt Williams, obviously, at the top. But I keep being encouraged by this defense. You know, they're still uh, at the top of the league and near the top of the country in field goal percentage defense. Uh, same thing with uh, scoring defense averaging only 59 and a half a game, although... SMU, by the way, tied with the Knights right now in that category at fifty-nine average, giving up fifty-nine point five a game. Um, and you know, we talked about the you know three-point percentage defense, rebounding offense has been great for UCF. Boy, do they rebound the hell out of the ball! Uh, plus twelve in rebounding margin on average this season, um, and that tells you, you know, and, and to me, that's credit to Taco Fall because he has really hit the boards this year, and, and that's what I mean. He's a, among the top. He keeps switching back and forth, I think, with a guy from New Jersey Institute of Technology, but um, the Highlanders, but um, he uh, he's right up there top two or three in the NCAA in rebounds, and that's a huge credit to him, despite the fact that, like we talked with Taylor Young last week, he's not been getting a lot of uh, blocked shots, because you know, UCF right now is eighth in the league in team blocks, 3.8 a game, and what that tells me is people are just staying out of the lane on him, Right. So right. but in that respect, you know, his presence there is obvious. Now he's still third in the in the conference with block shots per game at uh two and a half, but you know, he's not blocking four shots a game, uh which right. which, you know, you would think in a seven-six guy he'd be blocking three, four shots a game, but um but that's because teams just stay out of the paint. They they know like, well that's pointless, so they have to make shots. And SMU did a very good job of making shots um and uh you know and also to tacos credit he has stayed out of foul trouble but um i want to see what happens when the offense catches up to the defense i think we haven't seen that right now and i think that the o- offensively it's still going to be a little bit of a struggle because like you said uh we are we're in the dog days of the basketball season it's it's getting you're you're starting to you're going to start to see the fatigue creep in in this next stretch of this next three, four games. And even though we have that pattern of that Wednesday, Saturday, and or Wednesday, Sunday, or Thursday, Sunday, it's it's starting to get tough. And, you know, guys are not injured, but we know that guys are hurt, right? You know, you just don't yeah. see them show up on an injury report or, they, or they're, they're out there and they're playing, but you know that they're hurt. I mean, B.J. Taylor's been fighting injuries all season. So, um, so now is where you got to kind of dig deep, and I think that they have, you know, this this schedule is not going to do them any favors.
1: But again, if I would have told anybody in October, this team would has a chance to go eight and ten, nine and nine in the conference, and win eighteen games, seventeen, eighteen games. Yeah, I would not have believed it. I thought they were a five hundred team. I thought this was a throwaway year, and if they can get to eight and ten, nine and nine in the conference. Which would put them at around 18 wins. I think they're a postseason basketball team, an NIT team, or a CBI team. Uh, and we're not even, you know, and we're not even including a conference tournament that maybe they win a game or two. Who knows? I, I think that would be incredible when you consider the the what the expectations were going into the season. When you're like, well, who's they got five, six scholarship players? You've got injuries. You had to deal with an injury. To BJ Taylor, who missed a stretch period of time, you had an injury to AJ Davis, um, and yet here they are. And uh, that's the thing that I'm excited. I feel like we're ahead of schedule. I, I really did, Jeff. I'll be honest. I thought this was just going to be a throwaway year. Like I remember when we were discussing stuff toward in the fall about, well, what are we going to do in the spring? I'm like, what are we going to talk about in January, February? But yeah. this team is, you know, I'm like, what are we going to do? <laughs> we're going to be breaking down a lot of losses, but that's not been the case. And, and remember, this is a young team this nucleus basically returns next year with the additions of guys that Johnny is bringing in that are sitting out currently. And that's the exciting thing to me. Um, I can tell you I've had the privilege of talking to him on the radio. I actually had a chance to, you know, sit sit through a practice uh, on Tuesday because I was getting prepared for a women's basketball broadcast. And I'm just so impressed with him uh, and the way he communicates with the players and, uh, he's just a great presence. And, uh, so I, I, I think the, regardless of what happens here, I don't want people to just, you know, Oh my God, the, the, the sky is falling. What has happened? Kind of like what uh, happened
0: with football this year, right?
1: Yeah. But that's, uh, it's, it's apples and oranges. It's, it's just uh, to me, um, this has been really an enjoyable basketball team to watch. Probably more enjoyable really than the last few years. Where right around this, you know, they were not a very good defensive team, and they would just get blown out, and you question whether the team showed up on a nightly basis, and and all that other stuff. I yeah, guess that they, was hard they, to
0: watch. That was hard to watch last year. It teams. has been.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, let's let's be honest here, Jeff. In this basketball program, uh, you were there during
0: the Kirk era, mm-hmm. uh, from a Sun. the best of the Kirk she- era, the back-to-back championships.
1: Correct, And then you were there, and you saw them through, you, you stepped out, but then they went to Conference USA. You got back right as he was in Conference USA, a couple of years into Conference USA when you were working at UCF. And, and, and then and the arena had just gotten built. And there was a lot of excitement about the basketball program. They were drawing big crowds. They were drawing good crowds. Uh, and then once Kirk got let go, Donnie Jones came in. And then there was that first year of Donnie Jones with Marcus Jordan and Keith Klan and those guys that were Kirk's recruits. And they had a lot of success, and they were drawing 9,000 9, people, and that you know people were interested in the basketball park. They were ranked top twenty-five if you remember that year yep. when they beat
0: Florida. They, and they, were, beat they beat all Florida that. Florida in uh, in the first. Yeah. I think that was the first college basketball game at the new arena too. At the Amway Center, correct?
1: I was there for that. So, and you know, at that time it was a very exciting time. They 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 fell apart a little bit in the conference, but they still made postseason. Uh, they made a CBI NIT, and then the sanctions all happen, okay? And all the sanctions happen, and with the, the the whole saga, which we're not going to document again. I mean, it's been well documented what happened and all that stuff. And Donnie was right in the middle of all that. And the basketball team went on sanctions. Obviously, the focus was on the football side, but basketball got hit hard. Uh, in fact, there was that one year—I think it was Keith Clanton's senior year—where they weren't even eligible for any postseason. Right. And to me, that was the point. I felt, and I remember this because they were—they had a pretty good team in Keith Clanton's senior year, but they hadn't—you know—they were playing for nothing basically, pride. They were playing for pride, and I remember it's like, man, you know, this is a – Donnie's doing a good job, you know, and I would stuff, I would treat, and there would be a lot of negativity back at me, Uh, uh, and, and I think that's at that time frame where Donnie lost a lot of support from the UCF fans. And I think a lot of UCF fans turned their back on the basketball program at that point for a variety of reasons. They, they blamed Donnie for the sanctions, or they blamed the basketball program for the sanctions that affected football, and yada, yada, yada. And we've seen the results the last couple of years they haven't drawn and stuff. So I feel like, and I'll never forget, we had Taylor Young on last week. And you remember the last thing he said before he signed off in our interview? He said, like, give UCF basketball a chance. Give you yeah. c- basketball, another chance. And I think that's the message I think I would give to the fans is just give this program a chance. Give Coach Dawkins a chance. Come back. Um, whatever your issues were, whatever the problems were, there's no reason why this team can't draw more. Now, I'm not going to uh, – the SMU game doesn't count because the 6 o'clock tip, I mean, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. I mean, that's – a lot of
0: people are just no, getting I mean, out it's, of – Well, I mean, for crowd-wise, yeah. But, I mean, it's you know as far as the players are concerned, you know, I don't think that SMU is really a draw, believe it or not. I mean, I know that sounds weird to say, but they're not, they're not a marquee program that you're going to like, go, oh, I'm circling the calendar on that one. I think that the Memphis game on Saturday, February 4th, they're going to have the tailgate going for that, and then they're going to have the tailgate right. for the UConn game the following right. week, Saturday, February 11th. Those are your two games. Those are your two – if I'm a casual fan – I'm circling that those two games, and uh, and I will have circled the USF game as the games that I want to see. But again, you know Cincinnati also coming in Sunday, February 26th, and they're going to want to have a big crowd for that game. You know those so those three weekend games at home coming up. You know, and, and one of the things I think I said this before. You know, but I think it bears repeating. You know, we haven't had the signature win yet in Johnny Dawkins' first season. I no, we could, thought we. I guess right. you we could argue maybe the Houston be game there. or maybe yeah or maybe the Temple game, but you haven't had the big win that you know right. makes everyone go, "Wow, UCF basketball's back, man!" And uh, well, and there's a, and there's three chances at it right there.
1: The problem was the Temple win would have been that because at the time Temple was an RPI in the 20s and they had beaten Florida State, they beaten West Virginia. You're like, wow, that might be the best win the basketball program's had in years. Unfortunately, Temple since then has fallen apart a little bit. Yeah, so the that kind of had good. no
0: clothes on that one.
1: Yeah, so it's funny um, that that just didn't, unfortunately, did not work out uh, from that standpoint. So, but I, I like him, and I and and I think he's doing the right things. He's doing the radio interviews, and I'm not just saying that because he was on Tuck and O'Neill. Because I'll be honest, he's been on with Mike Bianchi, all right. So I'm not playing favorites. He's doing what he needs to do, and I just I think people need to just kind of get behind the program uh, again. And and I think it's been a good product. And I'll be, I'll you know, in my opinion. UCF basketball right now is the best basketball product by far in Orlando. If you have a choice to watch a Magic game or a UCF basketball game, I think you need to pick a UCF basketball game. Uh, I think you get more for your bang for your buck. I mean, I go to both. Um, but I think that's they need to be pushed. And I think the community, oh, I think at some point, as I mentioned, and I, and I outlined the, the time period, I think turn their back on this program for whatever or whatever reasons, I think need to kind of give this program a chance, and that's what Taylor Young's comment uh, still sticks with me. You mentioned February 11th, by the way. That is a, You realize that is a huge day on campus.
0: Oh, yeah, that's the, that's the great sports equinox right there, isn't it? It's one of them. It's one of the big ones. Uh, you mentioned the UConn
1: game, all right? That's a 6 o'clock tip that night. UCF's also doing their baseball fan fest that day.
0: That's right. That's going to be in the arena lobby that day or or in the uh, plaza, I should say.
1: Correct. So you get to meet the baseball team Greg Lovelady, the first year uh, the new head coach of the baseball program. So that's mm-hmm. significant. And then softball, that's their second day of the new season highlighting there. They're playing Kentucky. Yep. From the SEC at 3:30 approximately. So that's a heck of a day. Uh, one of, I'm sure, and that's one of the things we're going to try and do in the spring. We're going to highlight these marquee days of, wow, you got to go to like all these events at once because you've done that working there. You've done that oh. where you've had to go to multiple.
0: Not <laughs> just events. now. Yeah, people forget this. Not just it's. It would be a day where like it, you wouldn't just have to go to finish up with the basketball at night, right? You'd have yeah. the two softball games in the afternoon. You'd have basketball at night, but people would forget. That you also ha- would have like tennis in the morning. They would play like a ten a.m. match against somebody, right. and I'm, you're and I'm and I'm out there. And it, by then it's you know the the cool weather is gone. It's now warm again, and and I'm out there and I'm like applying sunscreen every thirty minutes, and and lugging the camera around you know all over campus with you know on a golf cart and 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 it was and uh, that that part you know the shoulder pain I don't miss, having the ice up my shoulder at home at 11 o'clock at night after a day like that. But um, it was fu- it, w- it is fun to see sort of all those sports happening at once, and it's particularly fun when UCF wins all the time in those games. And one thing I wanted to uh, touch back upon that you kind of mentioned, like what's the best basketball product in in Orlando right now? And I do agree with you that UCF right now is the better basketball product than the Magic. And the reason why I believe that is has to do with Johnny Dawkins specifically, because unlike what the Orlando Magic have going for them right now, Johnny Dawkins has established an identity for UCF basketball this year. I think that was the most important thing he had to do, is establish an identity, and part of that goes into culture. And we know Johnny's background. We've talked about it many times, about you know being a Duke guy and coming from the Coach K uh, family tree that, they th- that those guys think in larger in larger terms they think big they think in terms of you know kind of like a fortune 500 company where it's about culture and buying in and and establish your identity on the floor and adapt to and adapt your system to your players and not the other way around and this team has an identity this year and that's what's fun to see now that you can tell right now you can tell right there as we've said they still got a lot of growing up to do but I feel like they've grown, like you, I feel like they've grown so much from last year to this year that it makes me excited to see how they finish this season. How do they? Are they able to finish strong? And then what happens, of course, for next year, which we'll get to next year. But what do you think about that? Do you, you, see, this, you, do you see the same thing that I'm seeing? Yeah, I mean, the Magic definitely have no identity right well, now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but that's, aside from that... <laughs>
1: I mean, that, that's clear. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he does have an identity uh, and a belief and, and, and the respect. And
0: uh, I think that's a factor. I could tell you this. Um, Authenticity, man. I keep coming back to that also. I, I'm a big believer yeah. in, you know, are you authentic? And, the, and, and I think that Johnny Dawkins is, you know, a, a, as authentic as it gets in terms well, of, and I'll know, make, is, is this guy for real? Yes. Can he get people to buy in? And I think the players say that, too. And here's my prediction on this, because UCF's
1: been at a lot of ESPN news games this year because the expectations is low. If they finish well this year, if they make a postseason, if they have a winning year, and pretty much everybody returns, I think they're going to get a lot better TV time slots because of Johnny Dawkins and because of the team. And I think that's what you're going to see next year in basketball. Um. So yeah, I think to me, that's the exciting thing. Uh, yeah, and, and I like the – I could tell you I was out there for the tailgating for the Houston game. I think it's a cool idea, and I think they're going to try some different stuff, and I think it's going to be fun. And I the students have been out there. The Houston, they're there for the USF game. was yep. electric. Got to give them credit. So
0: They've I, been out there since I, they got yeah, back for the, for the spring yeah. semester. Now, I do think the
1: students – there's got to be a way where we teach the students all the, the cheers and everything like that because I feel like – I've studied them a little bit. I feel like at times they're kind of followers right now they don 't really know how when to react, how to react, and stuff where you know when we were in school, you know you had rowdy nights and Kirk jerks and people like that that kind of followed and then you know they kind of led the way, and everybody else followed and it was a you know good coach, bad coach, and all that stuff. So I think the students have to kind of figure all that stuff out, but otherwise they're there and and yeah. but to me it's getting the community uh to to support this because it 's a good arena and, and there is some good basketball. Coming in. I mean, this is a good league, uh, and there's some good teams coming in. So uh, hopefully it works out and uh, and we build. It's just building. It's just starting. It's not. We're not at the end of anything. We're not at the. This is just the beginning. We're just. I think that's the key, the thing to remember, uh, regardless of what happens here in the next few weeks
0: or the rest of the season. Yeah, it is just the beginning. My hope is that we get back to the days of actually, you know, that that senior season in Jermaine Taylor. There were some wild games and the the environment in the arena was insane. For yeah. some of those crazy games. Sure. So uh, I hope eventually we do get back to that. I have a feeling we do. As long as we keep doing what I'm I'm guessing that Coach Dawkins is um, preaching here, I think we'll eventually get there. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about women's basketball. Elon oh, and I yes. were both at the last game. We got a lot yes. to talk about there. And, yes. Uh, we-
1: hey, I'm going to give you this tease. I'm going to give you this tease for the audience. I may have seen the best UCF women's athlete of the year. I may have seen her. I'll okay. tell you who that is.
0: Okay. Oh, I'm interested to hear what you say on this one because we still got the spring to go. And then um, and then we'll also talk a little, uh, we'll, we'll check in on tennis, see how they're doing, and a little uh, volleyball and softball news to bring to you here on the Black and Gold Bannerette podcast. Stick around. We're back after this.
2: Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew figley This is Trey Strelka with the UCF Nightline Podcast, the original, the number one rated UCF sports podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, it's UCF underscore Nightline and at www.ucfnightlinepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to us as well on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And when you get sick of listening to these guys, make sure you look us up. Don't forget, that's the UCF Nightline Podcast. Go Knights! Charge on. Now, back to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast.
0: And welcome back, Jeff, Sharon, Eric Lopez, with you here at the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Don't forget to follow us at UCF underscore Banneret, uh, and also look us up on Facebook and subscribe to this podcast on uh, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in if you don't already. Leave us a rating too on iTunes, by the way, because uh, that helps us out and gets us out and gets our name out there with UCF fans out there. So, uh, just like the folks on Nightline. Um, send us a rating, let us know what you think, and also don 't be afraid to ask us some questions on Twitter if you ask us a question we 'll be happy to answer for it because we 've this entire time we 've done the, this i think this is show number twenty six or twenty seven eric we 've never had a listener actually ask a question, which kind of makes me sad but um but hey we 're out there and you can hit us up at u c f underscore banneret on Twitter or send us a question on uh, Facebook as well just search for black and gold banner at all right we talked about they can how- send
1: it to all- oh they can also send it because i've gotten questions in the- on my individual twitter eric Lopezilo. so they can oh, yeah? send out some twitter questions and uh and stuff like that and we'll try to answer them as well
0: yeah as long as they're smart questions we don't answer any stupid questions well yeah that that's 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 a key yeah all right so uh women's basketball let's let's talk we were both at yeah. the last game uh, we we're both there at the last two games. Yeah, Tuesday, <laughs> uh, Tuesday night against Cincinnati was the most recent one. A 64-44 UCF win in, you know, we talked about how the last men's game was physical. This game was physical for three good quarters. Um, both of these teams just went at each other, I thought. Um, uh, UCF fell down early, fought back, led by one at the half. Um, took a uh, six-point lead into the fourth quarter and then outscored Cincinnati 20 20- Aliyah Gregory was uh, uh, 5 of 10 from the field, 22 points. Uh, Zai Lewis finished with a rather quiet 15, I thought. Um, but this was a. The, the, Cincinnati's a pretty good team. A uh, little bit of a change in the lineup this, uh, for this game. You know, Coach Abe started Jocelyn Massey and Toluo on the front line and started Ashley Policek at the point. Over KK Wright. KK's a freshman. You know, she's had her ups and downs this year, but uh, Ashley got, got things going early. And actually it didn't look so good. You know, and, and actually and, and she switched KK in a little bit early. Um, but it was just a little bit of a different spark, I thought, on the offensive end. They were just a little bit more crisp as the night went on. And uh, and UCF ends up getting the victory by twenty. Uh, over this uh, Cincinnati team, Eric. I was doing PA, but I'm interested to know from where you were saying. I mean, this is a good Cincinnati team. They are 14 and six, five and two in the league now. Cincinnati is UCF jumps up to three and four in the conference. Uh, they are now in sixth place in the American, 13 and seven overall. Still hurting from that early conference season kind of swoon where they lost those four games, including three in the league. But you can see them trying to hit a stride now. As the season moves on, I think they're actually getting a little bit stronger physically as the season goes by. You know, the front-line players have been doing well. Tolu's been rebounding the hell out of the ball. Uh, Jocelyn Massey, I think, has just been a real unsung hero this season for the Knights. When she's in there, she's such a great presence on the interior. And she was rebounding the ball like crazy, especially in the first half. And Fifi Andor had herself a pretty good game, too, as well, down low. So, um i thought that uh I thought that it was really encouraging to see this team kind of stomp on the opponent in the fourth quarter. What did you think?
1: yeah, it was a great win, really good win They realized that was their thirteenth win of the season. That's more wins than they've had all of last year had more wins than two years ago have more wins this year than they had three years ago so mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's impressive uh and i've and, you know. I, I, for disclosure, I called the game for the American Digital Network. Yep. I was on can. the
0: uh, PA mic as well.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, called the game with Despina Barton. You can actually watch an archive of the game, by the way, if you go to the American Conference on YouTube, and uh, it's there. Uh, I've had a chance to speak with Coach Henderson, Coach Abe, as uh, they like to refer to in her first year. I got a chance to talk to her on uh, a conference call Monday. I got a chance to talk to her, obviously, uh, last night after the game on the post game and stuff. Very impressive coach, intense, uh, attention to detail, uh, but, boy, gets the most out of her players. Uh, I think if there's any questions, I think Danny White hit another home run higher, don't you? I mean, the guy, he's got a pretty high batting average right now. So uh, very impressed with her, and I think she's done a heck of a job with this team, Jeff, because if you look at this offense, this offense comes through two players. And that's Aliyah Gregory and Zai Lewis, as you mentioned. They coming into last night, they they count for forty-four percent of the scoring on this offense. So they don't have a lot of offensive options beyond that, except for pounding the boards, extra getting extra possessions. They're plus nine, I believe, in rebounding. Among the best in the conference in the nation, and they play hard. They're a defensive-minded team. First, they're now 13 and 0 this year. Remember, I said they have won 13 games this year. They're 13 and 0 when they their opponents. They give up less. They give up less than 60 points to their opponents. They're 0 and 7 when their opponents score more than 60 points. Yeah. So that tells you what the identity of this team is, which is defense, getting to the boards, putting some pressure, and they caused havoc for Cincinnati. Now. Cincinnati was without their best player. Shanice Johnson, a double-doubles player, uh, had something happen. She was at shoot-around. She had uh, personal reasons uh, came up that you know, we're not going to uh, speculate. So she was not with the team. We hope everything works out for them. But uh, they were shorthanded. And then they had Bianca Quisenberry, who was one of their top 12 guards, was in foul trouble that night, uh, last night. Yes, so that really resulted in Anna Owens, who was the difference maker in the first meeting when these two teams played back on January 4th. Owens had 20 points and six assists, and the victory was well, she was kind of a non-factor. And coach, you know, they they defended her, and that was one of the reasons why they put in Polichek in the starting lineup because she's very good on-ball defender. Yeah, very Owens, Owens
0: had a bad game; she was three of 11 she from did, the field.
1: And then the defense was part a big part of that. And so I thought that was some good adjustments there. Good energy and, and from the team after uh, really the energy wasn't there at home against Tulsa on Saturday. Uh, and I know that's something that Coach James gets frustrated with because it's part of the building with this program. As I mentioned, they haven't won a lot in the last 3 years. None of these girls on this roster have won this much at this level. So they're kind of learning not only how to win but then when you win, how you keep winning. It you know, that's that's where they're at right now in the progress and in, in, in the process I should say. So, uh I was very impressed with that. More specifically, I want to I want to bring up Aliyah Gregory. Yeah. Who I've gotten a chance to see. She scored 25 points, uh, season high against Tulsa on Saturday. And then Tuesday night against Cincinnati, she was in foul trouble, played seven minutes, uh, and only had two points. And then she exploded, I think, at 20 points, I believe. 22 points,
0: uh, five yeah. of 10 from the field, 12 yeah. for 12 at the line.
1: Mm. And, and I'm so impressed with her because she's never in a rush. You notice that? she, does, You know, a lot of players. Rush their shots. A lot of players force things. She's always in control. She's she's got command. And boy, she when she's in a she's got a good stroke. Man, she's such an offensive weapon. Uh, she's fantastic. I think she's one of the best women's basketball players I've seen UCF had in a long time, uh, Jeff. I don't know. Maybe since Chelsea Wiley. I mean, I don't know if somebody else comes to mind in your uh, mindset you know, there. But you know, I mean,
0: I, we we've seen a few. Those early Coach Joy teams had uh, a bunch of players who kind of like, they all kind of fit like pieces of a puzzle. Nobody was the star. every Everyone kind of fit into their role. And so, you know, they, and they won two conference championships. Aaliyah, uh, what I'm impressed with her is, and Coach Abe talked about this, and, and we're going to give you a little bite from Coach Abe here in a second, but um, you, you can have players that just take the ball to the basket, and you can have players that shoot three, and Aaliyah can do both of those things. But she has this excellent mid-range game. And it was on full display against Tulsa, where she scored 25 points. That was really the only thing that UCF had going for it was the fact that she could get into the lane, stop and pop at about 13 to 15 feet, and knock it down. Uh, we saw a little bit of that as well. She reminds me very, very much, uh, Eric, I want to see if you, if you agree, of Richard Hamilton particularly mid-career, yeah. you know, where she has that, where she would, you know, she would take her defender to the basket and stop and pop and get that mid-range J up there. And it was so effective. I mean, it's deadly. It really is. And, uh, and coach Abe talked about that right here.
2: Um, I'm just so proud of her. There's a lot of intangibles about Aaliyah um, that make her really, really great. And the the number one is she's unselfish. I mean, she's the most unselfish person we have on our team. And, um, but when I came in here and I first got the job and I started saying, everybody was saying Zai's our best player, but I kept saying, oh, Aaliyah Gregory could be like a stud because she's got the height, she's got the athleticism, she's got a phenomenal pull-up jumper, which is really hard in college athletics to teach if you don't have it. Everybody shoots a three or goes to the basket 100 miles an hour. Nobody has a mid-range game. And Zai and Leah both have it. But Aaliyah's is so good because she can elevate on it. Um, and she can finish shots. You guys don't know who Jackie Styles is. Maybe you do. I don't know. But she had the best in college athletics. I mean, she was so good at it. And Leah's got way more height and can elevate. And so, um, but she's been doing that consistently. And so it's been really awesome to see her. And she's just super happy for the team.
0: Yeah. And I thought that she was, you know, she has become a real weapon in this team, uh, for this team. I, and also, I got to give her credit because, you know, Zai Lewis was always expected to be the scoring threat. Uh, we know how great of a shooter Zaya is. And when she's on, it's it, 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 Katie bar the door. So um, I was five of 14 in this game, 15 points, uh, including two of five from deep, but
1: big, big uh, second quarter too. had a couple steals that I thought sparked them a yeah, little bit when and, they were, and, and
0: was jumping the passing lanes all throughout yeah. the game too. You know, I'm glad you noticed that too, because um, she was able to actually cause, cause quite a bit of havoc in the, in the back court for, uh, for Cincinnati. But you know, she's been a little banged up and she hasn't been shooting particularly well in the last couple of weeks. And Aliyah Gregory has stepped in and done a marvelous job, I think, uh, kind of picking up the slack for where Zai was leaving off. You know, Leah's a, uh, she's a, she's a junior. So we'll have her for one more year. She's from strawberry crest high school outside of Tampa. So, um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how she continues to her, the development. Her development this year really has, and Coach Abe alluded to it uh, in the post game presser, has really been impressive.
1: She says she's her best player. She yeah. thinks she should be an all conference player. Yeah, you know, it's hard because you got so many UConn players and all that stuff. So who knows? Uh, but she deserves some to, awards. Like,
0: that's another thing where you just have to like like you got to <laughs> put like the UConn players off in like their own little bracket, like out here. You know, kind of like. Yeah. Kind of like you know when you put Hawaii, you know, down in a little thing <laughs> on a, on a map of the United States, Hawaii and Alaska. It's Like you put Yukon down there, and then everyone else is over here, right?
1: Something to that extent. But I'll give her this award right now. If I, you obviously there's a lot of sports to be going on, spring sports and stuff like that. If I had to vote today, and we'll, I'm sure we'll do this uh, at the end of the year. If I had to vote for UCF female athlete of the year right now, I would go Aliyah Gregory. I'm that impressed. I was really that impressed. Hmm. Uh, which is saying something, because the volleyball, as you know, has a, a couple of players. Uh, but man, I'm impressed with her game. I mean, I think she's uh, it, it, she's fun to watch. Um, and she, when she plays well, there's a belief. You know, UCF's capable of doing things, and uh, you know she's got to carry the confidence the level on the
0: floor. Really pick absolutely. up when she's hitting it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I'm just very impressed. It's close debate. I'm sure you have other candidates, and we still have a long ways to go. But, uh, man, I have just was very impressed uh, in seeing what she's uh, capable of
0: doing. I always really was. Still still partial to Jayla Hervey on that department, by the way.
1: No, oh, look, that's fair. I knew you were going to go with that. The reason why, though, here's what, you know, Jayla Harvey, Kia Bright. You know, there's yeah. a debate on who's the best player on that team. Because uh, I thought they were both fantastic when I saw them. Uh, and with respect to Zai Lewis, who's a great player, I think Gregory is the better overall package player. Uh, and she, you know, and so as she's the junior, so, um, I don't know, that could be a fun debate. Uh, look forward to that. I think those are certainly your contenders. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens in the spring, but, uh, I just, let's give a nod to her. Uh, I think she's a man. I was just very impressed with her skills, her fundamentals. um, Yeah, and and I was just very impressed with her. That was an impressive second half. Really impressive. I mean, she took over the game, Jeff. Cincinnati had no answers for her.
0: By the way, did you see uh, before the game that she and uh, Tolu met Dwayne Wade? I did. I heard about it when I was doing shoot-around. D. Wade, was it – did the Bulls have their shoot-around at the arena? Well, here's the story. I know the story about this now. Uh, So –
1: Apparently in the NBA, you're only allowed a certain amount of time. For example, like the Bulls were playing in town against the Magic that night. The Bulls are only allotted a certain amount of time at the Enway Center for their shoot, quote unquote, shoot around, you know, and they do a little shoot around and meet with the media, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's usually done around noon or whatever time, depending on what times they do it and stuff like that. So what happens is a lot of times, a lot of these NBA teams will go elsewhere to get some work done, whether it be doing a shoot around, maybe get some shots in, maybe do a workout and stuff. And what's happening is a lot of NBA teams are actually calling up Johnny Dawkins oh, and yeah. saying, Hey, can we get uh, use your gym? Sure. And so Dwayne Wade was there with his trainer. And I think it was another player. So we don't under, we don't, we didn't get an info on that, but he was there working out, getting ready for the, that night's game against the magic. Um, And from what I was told, I think there's already been like eight teams in the NBA that have used the UCF, the CFP arena and the facilities to get some work done Uh, because it's still a lengthy day between early that day and then going into that night game or some teams even come in the day before, you know, because they don't have to play until the next day. Right. Uh, And they don't obviously have the access to the Amway Center because the magic, that's their practice facilities and all that. So sometimes you got to go elsewhere. And, but there's been a lot of NBA teams that have called up Johnny Dawkins because of the respect they have for Johnny Dawkins. And they've called him up to use the, the building and whatever, you know, if it's, it's plausible, uh, they do it. And, and well, then Johnny's
0: an NBA guy, you know?
1: Yes. And so again, uh, again, that's where Johnny helps out. So yes, and the girls were ecstatic about it, uh, cause Dwayne were, he was wrapping up right as the women's team was getting ready for, I guess, their workout and get ready for shoot around and stuff. So. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, you never know who you're gonna run into in the building uh, from time to time So that's kind of what the story was and uh, man, I was very happy for them. And uh by the way, Wade played very well as the Bulls In case you didn't know so yeah. <laughs> uh, It's not like it worked out whatever he did. He was working out. It worked. So um yeah, that's that's the story and it shows to you the respect that people have for Johnny Dawkins. It also shows the fact that what the, that arena, that building, and what the facilities can do for you. Because if pro players are willing to come there and get some work done, I mean, that's a pretty good recruiting pitch, too, I would assume.
0: Yeah, it does speak well for our facilities. Segway. Speaking of which, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, some news that came down from an administrative point of view uh, at UCF. Two stories came down this week. First thing I saw here was... um. Bob Garvey, who's been uh, a, a donor for UCF Athletics for a long time, just donated $1 million to the UCF Athletics Fund for the creation of, uh, this is according to the press release from UCF, the Garvey Center for Student-Athlete Nutrition, which is uh, pending uh, Board of Trustees approval, uh, The says that the rec- UCF Football Recruiting Lounge where I've been many times. That's that. That's that building on the um, south end of the stadium um, that has a big sort of stage in there, and, and it's where the, the it's where the during the week the football players have their training table, and then we also used to shoot, still do shoot the. Uh, I, well, I don't know if they if they still shoot the uh, the uh, the coaches show there, but the the Georgia UCF Sports Day with Georgia O'Leary was shot in there. There was a there was a. We would move the tables out of the way, set up three cameras, and and there was a set there. Um, But he's going to apparently um, uh, – that's going to be the Garvey Center for Student-Athlete Nutrition. Uh, Nutritional headquarters for all 435 UCF uh, Um, uh, student-athletes. Garvey's son, Kevin, played for the Knights football team back back in the day, got his MBA at UCF. So they're part of the UCF family. Million-dollar donation. So uh and he's also a vice chair of the UCF Board of Trustees and a member of the board of the directors for uh UCF Athletics. So um so uh congratulations to UCF for getting that big donation from uh, Bob Garvey and his family. So um and, and and by the way, you should see man, I wish I could have taken pictures of that. You should see the training table, man, when these players come in and uh and they come down everything's kind of laid out for them exactly how it should be. There's a ton of food that they bring in for this, and they're understandable. I mean, these kids are like you know, you know, teenagers, early twenties, or college students. I mean, you know, you remember how much we ate when we were that age. Well, imagine if you're burning you know three, four thousand, five thousand calories a day if you're a if you're an athlete, you know. So, um, so it, it, we talk about how important nutrition is that, and that to me actually kind of uh, calls upon sort of Scott Frost, right, and the. Chip Kelly sort of school of, you know, total immersion in everything that you do. And we're going to make sure that you eat right. We're going to make sure that we work out the right way. Very scientific approach to it. So um, so that was one thing that I wanted to bring up there. And then also, uh, this is kind of a bigger thing here that we can riff a little bit about, was this uh, Rise and Conquer initiative. So Danny White and the UCF Athletic staff, they've been working real hard on trying to sort of I guess, kind of relaunch the idea of, uh, of making sure that you know, everything's sort of on the right plan, kind of like a brand new master plan for the Danny White era at UCF Athletics. So, they got a plan that's going to include some facility enhancements. This is according to another press release increasing resources and attracting more fans to on campus football games. Now, here's what's gone on. They've actually, if you're a season ticket holder for UCF football, you better check in on this because the prices of your season tickets and where you sit may have changed. Um, they, they just released a whole new thing where, um, uh, by the way, priority ticket season season ticket renewal for current season ticket holders is March the 1st. Um, and there's a whole, um, uh, and I'm taking a look at the link right now. There's, they, they kind of released a little, they're going to enhance the, um, football stadium a little bit and kind of, kind of have like club seating, um, on both sides now. Um, and they had a video, they put up a YouTube video, which was really cool, um, that kind of goes into s- sort of the basics of it, but they 're going to make some enhancements to the stadium obviously they 're going to have sort of that field level club. Uh, I thought this this was a really big if uh, they 're going to expand the Carl Black and Gold Cabana Club, which is on the opposite side of the press box and Now, I thought this was good. I want to know what you think about this they 're going to put students now, Eric, behind both end zones. And I thought that that was a pretty smart move because now, you know, teams would, if you won the toss, they would defer. And if you had the choice of the end, if you took the choice of the end zone, um, they would have it so that in the fourth quarter, uh, if the opponent got the choice, they would go toward the non-student section for obvious reasons. You don't want to, if you're, you know, driving late in the game, you don't want to be going into the teeth of the student section. Now they can't make that choice anymore. So how do you think this – You know, and, and in addition to the new stadium club that's coming to the west side, now that's big, um, sections 108 to 112 and 209 to 211, uh, they said they're converting 3,500 seats from bench back seating to chair back seating with arm rests and all that, so they're adding up to the seating. They're expanding the cabana. Uh, they're going to have the field cabanas as well, which I think are going to be – it's going to be a little tight. That's a little close to the end zone. I'm wondering how they're going to pull that off um and of course the new student sections is a house network stadium and we knew that danny white was going to be doing this kind of stuff um i'm pretty um am you know so far i'm pretty impressed with what they've been doing obviously we talked about the baseball park expansion um the uh enhancements with the field house and the operations building that's going in between the field house and the wayne dench center uh and they're going to be doing some work to softball apparently as well but um you know, but, hey, I mean, they're, 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 this is what we were looking for, right? Danny White's going to be doing this kind of stuff. We wanted to see how it would turn out, and there's going to be a – there has been already, and they're going to continue to kind of make the drive for a little bit more revenue. Um, and there was a pretty clear appeal to UCF fans here about, you know, hey, guys, we want to make – you know, we want to be at the top of the American conference, and it's going to require and, – and we're asking you for a commitment. And what did you think about this whole thing? Did you check it out? What did you think? Saw some of that.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the end zone part is interesting, right? Because that other side was always kind of the emptiest part too, right? It was so it wasn't like it, so, right. So it wasn't like it was drawing or selling a lot in that area. So I think it's smart to add some students in that side as well. Um, I like the alumni, young alumni
0: deal. That um, I really – see, I'm glad you brought that up. Because that's one thing that I wish we did when I was, w- sure. when I was r- fresh out of school. Right? You kind of get some um, better uh, pricing if you're a recent graduate within the last four years um, to kind of kind of get you in the door in terms of getting season tickets. And I'm kind of bummed. I wish uh, you know, I if we did have something like that when we were young alumni, I didn't hear about it.
1: No, I don't think it happened. And- I think the key is you're trying to develop, uh, the young people to stay fans of your program and, and, you know, stay fans when they move on from the year to the school. Uh, because I think there are fans, you know, there are people that go to the school and go to the games and then when they leave, they kind of, they don't really follow the program. So I think it's a, it's an effort to do, to an upgrade in that. Uh, so I think it's positives and I think, uh, hey, I, I think, and it's the thing I like, I mean, we obviously a lot of the focus is on football and the tickets and all that uh but there's other sports that are also being helped and i think that's the good thing. it's uh, danny white's been very consistent in his message from since he got here which is to be a top 25 program in all sports and he's backing that up by trying to give all the sports the resources that they need jeff and that's uh, he's backing up the talk and that's all you could say and and really ask of him.
0: yeah i mean it, it, i appreciate the fact that he's actually been i think as transparent as any UCF AD, I think we've ever had in terms of you know th- this is my direct appeal to you, um, and it's a really service oriented sort of appeal, and, and and that I really appreciate. So, um, so it should be fun. I mean, I, I I'm I'm look, I'm I'm hoping that the fans respond to this because you know, like we like we've talked about before, you know, UCF gets a lot of its um, athletic budget from student fees, okay? Now, we, we paid that when we were students. Anyone listening who was a student, you paid that. It was per credit hour. I think UCF was among the highest, may have been the highest in the country in, uh, in terms of FBS, in terms of the um, athletic fee per credit hour, which they charge. And as a result, the students get, you know, free admission and all that kind of stuff. But that's, you know, it's a considerable amount of money. And... You know, as the educational landscape changes, um, you know that was pretty beneficial for UCF. You know, when we were growing from a campus that had forty thousand to sixty thousand, but now you're kind of hitting that plateau, right? And you know that if you raise the athletic fee nowadays, I think you know students are a lot more in tune with what's going on. They're not going to be happy if all of a sudden they find out that their that their tuition went up again to go to sports, um, particularly, you know, students who may not be all that interested in sports, which, oh, by the way, unfortunately, we do have plenty of students that just don't care about athletics, which, you know, which every school has. Okay, fine.
1: Well, I mean, I, mean, I, was,
0: I was fine paying, you know, you know paying the athletic fee, but, right. you know, I kind of understand people who weren't. But, you know. Well, let's be honest about this. Our sports
1: fans, we're kind of in the bubble. I mean, really, if you take and think about it, the majority of the country is really not a sports fan really if you think about it i mean there may be casual fans the nfl (laughs) right i mean look at the nfl right like we're gonna in a couple of weeks we're gonna be talking about the super bowl we're gonna be talking about how there's a hundred million viewers and they're gonna be watching and yet when you see the television ratings while they're monster numbers i think it only is going to come out to what like uh 40 percent of the country that has television on the game and 50 percent and so believe it or not, there's people that don't watch sports and they don't really care who wins. I mean, even if you follow the voting process and voting in the political side of things with the NFL with San Diego turning down a stadium. And I remember in Orlando when they had a revamp the Florida Citrus Sports that was a, in the stadium there. That was a big topic. That was some pretty people, controversial.
0: Yeah. Well, then right. also don't forget the uh, the soccer stadium.
1: The um, soccer state was a that, huge
0: controversial deal. That whole, deal about. Thing, that whole yeah. thing went down, and and finally, you know, in credit to the, you know, Orlando City, they decided, no, you know what, we'll foot the bill ourselves. Uh, right. But you're Just right like, by that.
1: the way, I mean, right, because, I mean, look, they, they built the Dr. Phillips uh, Performance Center. That was, you know, is that worth it or not worth it? Part of the whole entertainment. So there's always a lot of different things. So in college, and I've always said this, because, you know, UCF fans get always upset because, we get, you know, oh, geez, well, this guy goes to school there, but he's only a fan of so and so, and he's a fan of this school. And he, look, a lot of people go, don't go to the school for sports. <laughs> as much as we like to think they do, they News really flash. don't. They go for, <laughs> you know, they go for the education, they go for the degree, but they probably have already been following a school team. They, You know, a lot of people probably went to UCF and have been following a Florida State or been following a Florida or been following a Miami or whoever. And so that's kind of where and i think what danny white is shooting for to my point is you're trying to uh invest in the young uh, alumni and convert them and, and maintain their interest in the program and that's the effort that he's he's trying to accomplish from that standpoint because he knows there's a lot of demand and to your point uh you can't depend on regular students uh that maybe don't care about you know athletic fees and stuff like that so you have to come up with revenues elsewhere and and, and generate interest uh, elsewhere and have build your fan base uh, and, and to be invested in it instead of, eh, well, you know, I'll just tell gay, but maybe I'll check out the game or not. And UCF is in that battle. And that's, and you know, I, I applaud them for the efforts that they're doing. They're trying to pull off here.
0: Interesting data that they put put on this website and you go to we rise and conquer.com. Um, and I just want to touch upon this, you know, UCF is in the middle of the pack in the American in terms of their yearly budget. These are among the public universities in the American. Um, Navy, by the way, excluded uh, in this case. But um, UCF is in the middle of the pack in terms of their yearly budget. $47.6 million, um, according to USA Today. Which okay? Which, uh, I'll give you a guess. Now, UCF is fourth. What are the th- what are the three top, and uh, how much more do you think the top team has? As far as and a yearly athletic budget among public universities in the American. Wow.
1: Oh, I think you'll boy. get the team,
0: but I think you'll be surprised at how much more.
1: All right, I will throw out. Let me start with oh boy, it's gonna be uh, let me start with Houston. I'm just curious. Where are they yeah.
0: ranked? They're two spots behind UCF. Oh, okay. They're forty five point four million. UCF's at forty seven point six. East Carolina, where are they at? East Carolina's third, just ahead of UCF at forty nine point yeah. three million. Where's Memphis? Three spots behind UCF, forty three point really? two million. Yeah. All right. Now they have all, that, all their all their eggs are in one basket with basketball there. All right, Connecticut, UConn's first. Yeah. Cincinnati's nice. second, by the way. So after so ahead yeah. of UCF right now. It mentioned East Carolina forty nine million. Cincinnati's at fifty one point seven million. That's their yearly budget. UConn's yearly budget. Seventy two million dollars. Got to love that basketball. Who says basketball doesn't matter? <laughs> well, both basketball. See, that's the thing. Right. I mean, they're pulling in. And, and you know, not to mention, yet yeah, they, they do have football at UConn. It's not overly great, but, it you know, they're they're you know, they're not exactly a sinking ship. And they pull in for both basketballs. You know, I mean, they pull. And in I can tell
1: record. you. And I can tell you having visited there last year. I mean, that's a basketball school first. Um, oh, yeah. By far. And you know, Cincinnati's fascinating because they've got a great basketball program themselves. Uh football's been pretty good. Um, you know, you could debate which one's the more popular one in Cincinnati. I mean, Bearcats fans would probably know better, obviously. Uh, East Carolina's obviously built towards the football. They got a beautiful football stadium there. And I got an interesting uh,
0: factoid oh. for you on ECU in a second, but go ahead.
1: And I give credit to Terry Holland, who used to be the athletic director of East Carolina, and I knew him. And this was back when East Carolina UCF were in Conference USA. And I remember I visited Greenville in 2011 for the, uh, it was at the time the Conference USA softball tournament. I hung out with Mr. Holland. And that was around the time where they were like, they were kind of building all these facilities for all their sports. The basketball arena was going up. They just built the new softball stadium. They were building, they were revamping the baseball stadium, you know, the, you know, tour the football stadium, and their goal, of course, at the time, that's you know, as silly as it sounds, maybe to some, their goal was to get to the Big East, just like everybody else was back then, right? So uh, they generated a lot of the revenues, and, and they built up all these facilities, which are beautiful up there. And uh, you know, obviously, they've jacked it up in the revenues. No longer there, I know, but yeah. uh, that is kind of what jumps out to me. All
0: right, so here's another thing that they have. You can get all this again. And conquer dot com, and I thought this was interesting too. They compared all the teams in the American in terms of what they call the annual fund, all right? So what is the annual fund? Well, they define the annual fund as seat and parking-based revenue. Uh, does not include major gift donations, and this is based on fiscal year 2014-2015. UCF has 4,400 annual fund donors uh, that as of tw- the uh, school year that ended in 2015 are just short of $5 million, In terms of the annual fund. Now, which school has... Now, that's uh, sixth best in the American. I'll give you one guess as to which school, and I already hinted it to you, um, has the largest annual fund. And that is the... Again, that's the most money from seat and parking-based revenue. What, Connecticut? No. They're second. Oh, East Carolina. Oh, really? Yes. They're almost at $8 million a year in terms of their annual fund from – annual revenue from parking and and, uh, ticket sales. Now, what I find about this is really interesting is they also list the number of annual fund donors. That's the number of people that are – Basically, you know, doing things like buying season tickets and and parking purchases. Donations based on season ticket and parking purchases. UCF has actually the second largest number of annual fund donors at 4,400. But the difference is East Carolina has the most. You know how many they have? This is unbelievable. 16,828 annual fund donors. Almost four times as many as UCF. And UCF is second is uh or excuse me, third highest behind Cincinnati, who has four thousand four hundred seventy-two, which is seventy-two more than UCF. Can you believe East Carolina? So what are they doing at East Carolina in order to get a lot of those people on board? And it kinda of, and it kind of reminded me of when I was covering Clemson. Um if you go to Clemson, right? You'll, yeah. You you go to a Clemson game up in Clemson, South Carolina, and you'll see a bunch of students and people running around wearing these orange shirts that say IPTA, IPTAY. Okay, IPTAY stands for I pay ten a year. Now what is it? Now what is that? Well, back in the uh, the story was related to me by a guy named Freeman Martin, who used to be a salesman at the TV station that I worked at in Toccoa, Georgia, and was a associated with the Clemson program for a long time. He was even their football PA guy for a long time, back when Danny Ford was the head coach. Right. And Freeman told me, he said, I asked him, what is IPte? And he, and he says, well, Ipte means I pay 10 years.' I said, what is that? He said, well, back in the day during the Depression, um, when Clemson was, you know, really, really struggling, it was in a poor part of upstate South Carolina, obviously. And... They were, you know, Clemson was pretty good at football in the South back in the day, you know, you know around the time, you know, Newt Rockney up at Notre Dame and all that and during the 30s and heading into World War II, but they were really struggling financially. So what, so what the folks at Clemson did who were in charge of athletics, they just, they made a direct appeal to anyone and any everyone and anyone who would listen, alumni, faculty, current students, um, people around the area, anyone around, they say, they say, listen, Pledge to us ten dollars a year. That's all you got to do, and we'll accept ten dollars of anything—not just ten dollars. We'll accept if you're an apple farmer, we'll accept ten dollars worth of apples and give them to our student athletes. Um, you know, ten dollars worth of services for this and that, and it caught on and it worked. And everyone at Clemson, basically, and when you think about it, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like the original micro donation. Right. Like uh, um, what's the website where people go and and do that kind of thing, like Indiegogo or something like that. Right. And that sounds to me like what the ECU I'll have to get more details on it. And if you're an ECU fan out there listening, you know, let me, you know, fire off a message to us on Twitter. (laughs) Let us know. But um, but 16, you know, almost 17,000 donors. And that was back in 2015. It's probably over 17,000 now. Um pulling in under 8 million dollars. You know, I'm trying to do the math here real quick, but that's, you know, relatively low compared to other schools, you know, donation amount per um per annual fund donor. So, I think that's, you know, maybe there's a way that UCF can leverage that in terms of getting micro donations. I mean, shoot. We we're pumping out 15,000 graduates a year. So yeah, I would be so and their goal is to get up over the 8 million dollar mark, I would imagine, you know, cuz that's the part that's shaded on the graph here. So um they want to be at, they want to be at the top of the American and you know, maybe the micro donation thing could be a possible way to go. What do you think?
1: Could be. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's anyway, and they've done their research and that remains to be seen. Uh, it's a possibility, but that's a credit to East Carolina. By the way, you've depressed me. I made a donation this week, thinking I was, you know, a pretty good donation this year, this week to UCF and softball program, among other things. And now I feel like man, <laughs> all these zeros, <laughs> I feel like a chump.
0: <laughs> we got to I mean, step man, it up. I guess I do, uh, but no, you're right. I mean, that's obviously. And this uh, was. It's right. Oh, I'm sorry. This was this was really interesting too. The last graph that they had, and you got to check this out. They actually compared UCF to Kansas State. In the big oh
1: tournament. no, they don't. Wow. Yes. Okay, that's,
0: oh, and, they that's broke, like a, and they broke it down like this: conference, NCAA, student and state fees, UCF and Kansas State about even, about thirty million dollars a year. Sponsoring, yeah. licensing, concessions, also the same other, other revenue, about the same. Where UCF falls short is in guess what, ticket revenue, and yep. donations and parking. Yep. And that's what they're and that's what Danny White now is it's going. It's, they're trying to close that gap, yep. um, to keep up with other. As Danny White calls them, Power Six programs in ticket revenue and donations. K-State makes seventy-two point seven million in revenue per year. UCF makes about forty-seven point seven, and the gap is in ticket revenue, and donations and parking. So they're making a big drive in terms of getting people to buy season tickets, and make donations, and obviously, well, you know, if you're going to get your tickets, you got to get your parking. So um, I'm going to be interested to see how this plays out in the next, you know, three to five years. Stay tuned, as they say. Yeah, exactly. So a couple things to catch up on. Tennis, by the way. We mentioned tennis. Uh, they got, uh, women's tennis has uh, uh, two uh, weekend matches, uh, Saturday against at Stetson in Deland, and then Sunday back at the USTA National Campus. Uh, they're at, uh, almost a two-week break, so they didn't play this week. And uh, men's tennis, by the way, um, right now standing at 3-1. and one, Women's at 2-1. Um, and they have their next match, also Sunday, against Bethune-Cookman. And then they have a long time, more than two weeks off, until they play Tennessee Tech again on February 17th. So, uh, USTA National Campus busy weekend. If you can, get down there for that. So that should be a lot of fun. And uh, some volleyball news real quick. We wanted to mention uh, uh, Erin Olsen is the latest addition to the UCF volleyball team. She transfers over from Bradley. She's a freshman setter. Um and uh, native of Cary, Illinois. She had one season at Bradley where she was recruited by UCF, then Bradley head coach, and now UCF associate head coach, Jenny Maurer. Um, led Bradley with uh, in assists with uh, 582 last year, also 194 digs. Um, does exactly what you want to set her to do. And uh, she should be able to help out UCF, I think, in terms of uh, – uh, what Todd wants to do with the offense here, so you know maybe he might he might even run two set two setters. Who knows? But um, welcome to, uh, welcome to the roster, Erin uh, Olson. So she'll be on the floor for UCF in the uh, in the fall for UCF volleyball. And then you've got some uh, softball news, don't you, Eric?
1: I did. The American Conference came out with their uh, preseason poll. Uh, Tulsa, who's the defending conference tournament champions from last year, uh, was the preseason pick number one. South Florida, which was the regular season champion last year, was picked number two. UCF was picked third. Houston was fourth.
0: Bulletin board uh, material.
1: Well, look, it's fair. I mean, it's fair. Look, I mean, the big questions, and we're going to get into this now in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to the season. You know, UCF's got a very young team. Uh, you know, they got seven freshmen, but in particular, three freshmen in the pitching staff to go with the senior, Manami Calixto. And, look, the number one question everybody's going to ask is, you know, who do you replace Shelby Turney here? And all, you know, all American, the most decorated pitcher in UCF softball history. That's going to be the big question. Not only that, you lose another senior pitcher and Jamie Uvari was their number two last year, was kind of a closer and can start. So, uh, that's the big question is you got young pitching. Uh, you know, I know they're, you know, Aaliyah White to name to keep in mind, a kid from Tampa, Cambridge, uh, freshman, uh, you know, but again, that, you know, it's a young staff. You know, they're going to have some growing pains. I will say that, you know, I've been talking to people over there. This is the most tightly grouped team uh, that they've had there. Uh, The the chemistry is good. The team is bonding very well. Um, And I think they're going to, you know, they're going to swing the bat very well. Uh, So I feel pretty good about that. But it's going to be, you know, can this experience pitching, inexperienced pitching, I should say, uh, how quickly can it grow? And, and, you know, that's going to be the big factor there. And I think that's why they were picked third and rightfully so. I think USF obviously has a similar question because their, uh, senior pitcher, Erica Nunn, which is a pitcher of the year last year, she graduated. Who replaces her there? Tulsa returns the most experienced pitching, uh, to go along with their balance, uh, offense. So uh, I think it's fair that they're the number one pick in the preseason. But look, UCF's got a, uh, certainly a young, uh, staff and they're going to learn quick because they got a tough schedule opening weekend. I, I, we mentioned this earlier. They open the season the weekend of February 10th. Kentucky will be among the teams in that tournament that UCF will host alongside Pittsburgh, uh, and then some. And then I know Georgia's coming later in the year. So it, it's, uh, it's a tough schedule. They go to Mary Nutter for a tournament. So it's, uh, you know, that's going to be the big question, Jeff, is, you know, that pitching staff, can it grow? How quickly can it grow? Um, well, I think we'll determine whether the UCF can contend for the conference title or. Uh, maybe go through some growing pains uh, as they learn on the on the job.
0: February tenth is the opener against Florida AM. Boy, that's right around the corner. All of a sudden, tell me about it. Oh, man. Tell me about it. Where is this year going already? All right. Anyway, all right. That's so, as we, <laughs> so as we wrap up here, uh, what do you got on tap this week, Eric?
1: Wow. You know, for a change, for a, for, I actually get to slow down a little bit, just producing Tuck and O'Neill. Uh, before O'B. the
0: storm, when softball starts on February 10th.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, I'm getting preparation for the softball season. Obviously, I'm doing a lot of stuff actually on In the Circle on the, uh, on the WordPress there on the, the site. If you follow the, uh, my Twitter, it's also on In the Circle SB. I'm doing a lot of softball preview content stuff. And, but yeah, I'm getting, you know, again, as I mentioned, UCF's got a young team. I got to learn a new roster. So I was over at practice recently. Uh, and, uh, spend some time there and get to see uh, the meet the new players and stuff and learn about the new players, I should say. So, yeah, you're right. Actually, I mean, you joke, but that's true. Part of it is I'm getting now in preparation for the season, uh, when, uh, yeah, my first game will be that day, Friday, the February 10th opener. Can you believe it? I've been doing this since 2007.
0: Man, oh man, 2007. So that was. How many different cities – think about this. How many different
1: cities uh, did you work at since 2007?
0: Well, 2007, I was in Toccoa at the time. Yeah. And so from there – so but right before – I graduated from Syracuse in the summer of 06. So (laughs) I was in my first year in Toccoa, Georgia uh, at that time. then I came back to Orlando actually uh, the following summer, so 2008. But – but, yeah, I mean, you know, cool. Think about going back to when we were students and we were doing games down at the old softball field that got, you know, where, you know, that's now an apartment building, but, um, or a dorm <laughs> building. But, you know, I mean, we used to do those games on tape delay. And, you know, we, we, we've been there since we started the program back in the fall of 2002, or excuse me, the spring of 2002. So, yeah, uh, you guys
1: were pretty much there. Uh, started I mean, the whole you thing. You latched
0: on, you know, I think it was yeah. myself and, you know, guys like, you know, Matt Dunaway at least were there. And, um, are started out there. And uh, you know, Jimmy Skiles actually used to do some softball for us back in the day. He used marketing. Now at yep. UCF, it's fun seeing folks that you know are, are still there. And you know, some things don't change. And one of them is you, Eric Lopez.
1: Evidently, they haven't gotten rid of me yet. <laughs> uh, maybe you have to bug coach about
0: that. But, yeah, 10 no, year. don't uh, bug coach you're... about that for crying out loud. We want you to stick around.
1: Well, you're, well, you're going to be involved more this year. You're going to be doing, yeah, PA. I'm you're be doing PA. i are going to be doing some PA for
0: – Gina Catalano called me up. We're going to be doing some PA for softball this year. So that's kind of fun. I was doing – Got you know a little bit more basketball to do, and then it's uh, then it's softball time. I've got some big games coming up that I'm going to be on the mic for. So I want to thank Gina for uh, and and everybody at UCF Marketing for at least you know keeping my number in their rolodex and pulling it out when they need somebody to uh, not sound like a, you know to to you know in spite of everybody else. You know for some reason they call me. I don't know why, but um, but I want to thank them for that. But um, but yeah, so it should be fun. I got uh, actually. We might be a little bit late with next week's show, just giving you a heads up, because Wednesday night, we usually record on Wednesday nights, and we put this up on Thursday, but next Wednesday night, I will be in Tampa um, doing the uh, American American Digital Network uh, women's basketball game. Um, Cincinnati, who played us, uh, we talked about that early in the show, they're coming down to Tampa, they will play USF, and I will be on the mic for that game doing analysis uh, for the American Digital Network. And I want to thank Scott Rehling for um for uh, having me on board for that that's always fun. That was a great crew that those guys have. I did the baseball with them at the tournament last year and it was a blast. Um totally awesome awesome crew that they have doing those games. I'm looking forward to doing that game uh in the Sundome. So uh it should be fun.
1: Yeah, no, it was fun. I had a chance to work that uh, for the UCF Cincinnati game. So you get to work the USF Cincinnati that's game. Right. So that's gonna be fun. Uh, look for you'll have some fun with that and uh should be fun. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll make the arrangements there. Of course, next week's big though. It's funny. You're working on national signing day. Whoa. Oh
0: God <laughs> help us all. <laughs> national signing day. Oh man. So we're, I know. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to find I think somebody. that's why you scheduled this. I think that's why you scheduled the women's basketball
1: game. You knew that if we had to do the show next Wednesday night. We're right up on the day of the National Signing Day. I think you want to at least give a, give yourself an extra yeah, twenty four hours to decompress.
0: Wednesday, February first. Yeah, I just I hate National Signing Day so much. I really do. But uh, <laughs> well, we'll have well, hopefully we'll have somebody on to actually you know fill us in on what the important stuff is. You know, and I can we can I can stop paying attention to students who student athletes who are you know committed, which is the wrong word because you're never actually committed until you actually put you know your name on that piece of paper. But Oh, God in heaven. Oh, it's National Signing Day, <laughs> Wednesday, February 1st. So uh, so stick around for that. We'll have some news on that as well. So, Eric, where can folks follow you? Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. Yeah, you can find me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow us at UCF underscore Banneret. Also on Facebook, Black and Gold Bannerette, and blackandgoldbannerette.com as well. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in and don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes as well so for Eric Lopez I'm Jeff Sharon thanks for listening this has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast we'll catch you next week